Hey, it's Nikki Jensen. And it's Brie Picconi. And we're Late, Late to, to the, the Party. A weekly podcast about our obsession with fashion, film, and pop culture. Hey, Nick. Hey, Brie. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> it's, a, it's been kind of a weird day. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we both didn't have to work like, I mean, it was just serendipitous. No. We've had like a quote unquote snow day. Yeah, even though we've had no snow. Yeah. <laughs> technically. So I felt like we were like kids in school a little bit. Yeah. Just like hunkering down. It definitely felt that way. Not even stir crazy. So I was like, thank God we have to record a podcast. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, I want to, you know. So ready. <laughs> I'm so ready. Yeah. And um, so the elephant in the room is that we did not have a podcast last week. Yeah. We but the week. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of, kind of. Like we took a break. Like it doesn't look like we... We've done some BTS things, which I just learned is behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. We um, recorded a movie club, which will come out next week, which I'm really excited about. Me too. And we planned a lot of exciting things for Late to the Party Pod for 2022. Yeah. Stay tuned, y'all. Yeah. So, Brie. Yeah. You want to just jump into this? Let's let's jump in. Let's jump into the world of Sofia Coppola. Yeah. So... We were just gonna take uh-huh. one subject. We were we started with milk fed. It was your idea, and yeah. So a couple weeks ago, I came to Brie and I was like, "Do you remember uh, Sofia Coppola in the '90s? Kind of the trend of baby tees. Kind of started with like tees, tees, which is now the pretties and milk fed Sofia Coppola's baby tea line." And right. um, and I said no. I I, I didn't know anything <laughs> about that, <laughs> but that is rad. And, uh, and then I had to Google it to make sure I wasn't going crazy. And in <laughs> fact, she did, in like 1994, start a baby tea company. It wasn't one of those like, um, what do they call it, the Mandela effect or something? Yeah. Like the Berenstein, Berenstein situation. Yeah. That's, that's refreshing. For sure. So w- then we just kind of went down the Sofia Coppola rabbit hole. Yeah. Like really deep down the rabbit hole. But I think we can link it all up. I think so. So, should we talk about, um, like, how we know Sofia Coppola? Because, like, I feel like I I know her. When I think of her, I think of her as a director. Mm -hmm. Though I was just thinking back, like, before that, I just knew her as the girl, like, as Francis Ford Coppola's daughter in The Godfather, who did, you know... I thought it was a good performance. I mean, really? Well, at the time, because I was also like, I don't know, 12 when I was watching it. So I was like, oh, yeah, she's great. I don't know. I was like, like, yeah, she sold me. My 12 year old brain was like, yes, great actress. Well, yeah, that's kind of like your thing, right? Like the Godfather films. Yeah, I love it. On my um, my letterbox, I have Kill Bill is my favorite and then The Godfather. And that's it for my favorite <laughs> films. But um, if you were to rank The Godfather films. If I were to rank them. Mm-hmm. I really like the first one a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know. The third. I just don't know. I got to rewatch them, to be honest, to give you an honest ranking because it's been so long. So is your hot take that Sofia Coppola's godfather performance is is good yeah that's my hot take <laughs> love it i love it um uh, but like what do you think of when you think of sofia coppola i i i um 
<laughs> I, it's kind of hard to put into words. I Before we went down this rabbit hole, yeah. I would have just been like, Sofia Coppola is one of my favorite directors. And I just say that. Right. I'd just be like, I love her films. I know her from her work as like a director and as a screenwriter. And I know that she wore really bomb slip dresses in the 90s and briefly dated Keanu Reeves. So that appeals to me. (laughs) Um, But kind of going down this rabbit hole, I didn't realize how much of an auteur Sofia Coppola is and how much like, you know, going to like school for theater and like studying film. I would say she's like my biggest influence and i i just can't get enough of her so i can totally see that (laughs) like well because like i know you and i know like you have some projects that you've worked on like with writing scripts and stuff and like i was reading about her process and it sounds like a very similar process like a lot of visuals like paragraphs and i don't know i can tell that you're inspired for sure for sure. I know, like, about her process, which we'll get into, we're going to talk about Sofia Coppola, the director. Yeah. But I didn't even realize we had a very similar process. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> when I was reading up on her, I was like, hold on. That sounds like someone I know. <laughs> but, yeah. So, before we talk about Sofia Coppola's Milk Fed, which started this whole podcast idea, let's just give a quick little biography of Sofia Coppola herself. All right. So, Sofia Sofia Carmina Coppola was born on May 14th, 1971 in New York City. She's best known for her films The Virgin Suicides uh, and Lost in Translation. In 2004, she was the first American woman to be nominated for an Academy Award in the category of Best Director. Um, it says Coppola is the daughter of film director Francis Ford Coppola, as we all know, or should know, I feel, and artist and documentary filmmaker Eleanor Coppola. Well, that's that's pretty badass. Um, she was born in New York City while her father was filming The Godfather. Right? Didn't they use her in that film? Right? She was the she's baby. the baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's getting the um baptism or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. And she grew up in Northern California and played small parts in her father's films. Her first and last significant role was Michael Corleone's daughter, Mary, in The Godfather, Part 3. And, um... But yeah, she got, like, an overwhelmingly negative reaction from critics and audiences for The Godfather, Part 3. Yeah. And so, that kind of began and ended her her acting career. It's so sad. But, you know, instead of that, she briefly studied painting at CalArts, and she dabbled in modeling, photography, and fashion design. She even interned for Chanel. That's so cool. So she had a little stint as a Chanel intern. I love that. And um, in 1994, she co-launched a fashion line called Milk Fed, which we're going to talk about a lot. And in 1990, did I say 1999? Um. In 1994. Uh, I I think you said four. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think you said four. The 90s is such a blur. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the same. It's all 99 to me. Same. I just want to go back to 1999, let's be honest. But in 1999, her feature film debut was The Virgin Suicides, and Sofia Coppola herself wrote the screenplay based on the novel of the same name, and that was the same year 
that she married director Spike Jones and later divorced in 2003. Wow. Which, that's so interesting. I guess, well, we we will talk about that as well. So, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead. <laughs> Sofia Coppola, though, lived such a, like, she's just so cool. For real. Like, to do so many things in, in your, like, early 20s. So cool. And I think, like, the cherry on top is her relationship with Spike Jones. Yeah. Which was, like, like an indie match made in heaven. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just... And I love Spike Jones. So right. She's so cool. And now she's married to the dude, the lead singer in Fe- a Phoenix. Who I think sort of looks like Spike Jones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just saying. She's got a type. Totally. Uh, um, But... But she's badass in her own right and super cool in her own right. I just think that's like the cherry on top is she just like also just chooses, which this will be a theme. Yeah. We're going to talk in this episode. But she just keeps a lot of cool people in her life. Therefore, she's cool. Yeah. I think that's important. I think so, too. Having like a good creative circle. Yeah. Speaking of cool, Sofia Coppola was like the resident cool girl of the 90s. Yeah. She was the it girl. Like, you think of Alexa Chung in, like, 2009. That would be Sofia Coppola in 1994. But what what do you, Brie, what do you know about Sofia Coppola during her reign as, like, the girl of the moment? Yeah. So, I mean, before um, this episode, I didn't know a whole lot about her. Just like I said, I just knew she had that one role. And I knew she was a director, you know, because you introduced me to her a lot of her movies and stuff. But um, I didn't realize how influential she was. And she is like a fashion icon with all the slip dresses. Just like going to like the movie premieres and um, oh man, there was like a really specific one where I think she's like, she's rocking like, it's something really simple. It's like tennis shoes and like a dress or something. It's like not like super dressed up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's kind of doing that mixing with the designer and casual thing. High-low dressing, high low, for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Um, And, yeah. Um, But, yeah, she, she... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, to your point, she did influence a lot of the 90s trends. So, you know, with Milk Fed... Yeah. She kind of had that baby tea moment. The which, kind of skater style. Yeah. So, is she responsible... For popularizing the baby tea? Or is that more, um, oh man. I like can't a think of her Kim, name. Gordon Kim Gordon or like, yeah. like Tease Tease? Yeah. I, I would say it's a combo. So like Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth, she had her line, X-Girl. Yeah. And then Tease Tease, of course. And what Tease 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 is now the pretties. Mm-hmm. So like when you think of like the rolling with the homies, that scene of Brittany yeah. Murphy in Clueless. That's um that's a baby tea from her. Or like um there's like an iconic little baby tea that's like a spearmint green and friends. Like Rachel, yeah. Rachel. I, I know what you're talking about. Nips out just <laughs> being iconic. Always. Yeah. I know. I love how yeah, in the nineties. No one wore a bra. I mean, wh- what's no. the point? I would love to bring that back. Why did it ever go away? I mean, I why why did bras come back? <laughs> Burn them, I say. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I would say that Sofia Coppola did help popularize them for sure. Yeah, because she was in that world. She was. 
I mean, she did that fashion show, right? Like, on the street, just like an impromptu. They were like... Like, gorilla style. Gorilla, yeah, the gorilla style one. Um, the ex-girl fashion shoot with her and Spike Jones. Yeah, that was their idea. <laughs> that is so wild. Yeah. I love that energy, though, of just being like, hey, we're just gonna, like, have a fashion show. Are you down? And, uh... Didn't they have um, Mark Jacobs' fashion show going on, mm-hmm. like across the street or something? And Sofia Coppola was Mark Jacobs' muse. Right. It's so crazy. Like the, the worlds. I know. I love so that. much world building. Like last time we had the the NMCU, the Nancy Myers cinematic universe, and now there's like the Sofia Coppola universe. I love it. It's crazy to think about all this actually going on in the '90s while we were alive, and just like not being aware. Like, of, of her influence. Well, in 94... Well, we were... We like were literal babies. Barely alive. Yeah. And for some of it, we were not alive. That is true. So, yeah. I feel like I only knew about Sofia Coppola through The Virgin Suicides. Like, her start as a director, because I was old enough to, like, remember memories. Yeah. But I wish I was in 1994 on the streets of New York. Don't you want to just take a time machine, go back to the, like, gorilla fashion show, and just, like, be there when it's all happening? Maybe collaborate, mm-hmm. get in on the, I don't know, the fun? It seems like they would be really cool people to, like, work with, honestly. Like, on a creative level? I agree. Like, and this is also, like, like Sofia Coppola kind of in the 90s. Like, W Magazine names her the girl of the moment for 94, and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's this, like, upward trajectory as far as her being the it girl. Yeah. And it's all involving, like, like you were saying, like, the ex-girl, like, Kim Gordon, kind of Spike Jones, the whole fashion thing with the baby tees, and that's how Milk Fed came about, and um, I just feel like it snowballed from there. Like, she just kind of had her hand in the pot. Yeah. Of, like, everything. And Milk Fed was, it was just a side project. Right. That is crazy for her side project to, I mean, it, it became popular in Japan and I don't know. It still is, right? I mean, I don't think she owns it, but. I think she sold it, but it is still popular in Japan. It's still popular. So that must mean something. <laughs> so I don't know if that answered your question or if I just made it more of a, a tangent, but. <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, so. What is milk fed? Yeah. So, like you had mentioned, it's like, like it started as a side project, but she was inspired, right? Sophia Coppola was inspired to create her own fashion line. Um, well, and she was like, I don't know how to sew. I don't know how to do anything. Yeah. But I really love the look of baby tees. Yeah. And I love fashion. And I just want to, like, put my hand in the pot. I know. Wasn't she going to, like, not do the thing because she didn't know, like you said, how to sew? But then she saw, like, Kim Gordon didn't know how to sew, too, right? So she was like, hey, let's let's just do do it. it. And she did work with Tease Tease to create Milk Fed. And it, you know, helped popularize the baby tea. Yeah. And, I mean, this time, too, like, Sofia Coppola was already known in kind of, like, the indie circles and just in, like, the fashion circles. And, you know, she already had a high octane with Zoe Cassavetes yeah. on Comedy Central. Which, can we, like, talk about that for, like, a second? Yeah. That show is so interesting and so fun. And, I don't know, it, it just reminds me of that, like, time. Like, I feel like in the 90s there were so many 
little variety shows and things that were like kind of experimental and just like you don't see that kind of stuff on TV anymore. And it was really fun to watch. Like, just go on YouTube, look up High Octane, right? They had, like, episodes and parts, but it was so much fun. And the cameos, like, the mm-hmm. the people that they got to come on there, that was so cool. I don't know. It was just, I thought it was cool to like, see. Even from the first episode, they're, like, just, you know, two young girls, and they're, like, we're going to drive monster trucks. And then all of a sudden, you see, like, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. And you're yeah. like, huh? And then you see this other celebrity and you're like, what? Yeah. Why are they here? <laughs> and then they're gone. And then it's so random. And so like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It says it's like a comedy sketch show. And there is some comedy, but it is like, it's so bizarre. But I loved it. On a journey. Yeah. Like, I love that energy. I don't know. It was fun. Yeah. I love that. But um, yeah. So what, what else can we say about Milk Fed? Um. Like, it was a moment. I think Milkfed was a moment. That was a thing when we kind of, when we started the uh, the podcast, like, just conception of this pod yeah. episode, we were like, oh, what happened to Milkfed? Well, what happened to Milkfed was it was just a side project. Yeah, we, it, it, we don't even know exactly how it got sold and the details. It's just, it's just something she picked up, put down. Yeah. And and I think that makes it cooler. Like, that's such a, like, an eight-girl move. It's just to be like, well, I did something. Whatever. Right. Because then she got involved in, like, all these directing projects, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it makes sense. Went. How can you do it all, I guess? It's true. Also, the 90s were such an interesting time as far as, like, there was a whole, like, baby tea, like, for lack of a better word, universe with, like, Kim Gordon doing X-Girl. Mm-hmm. tease tease and then you have milk fed yeah and you know everyone was wearing them from like drew barrymore to kate moss yeah and like we were talking about like the other pop culture ladies like rachel from friends and it was just like a moment everyone had their baby tea line like even x girl only ran from 93 to 99 or 98 wow so i don't know it really influenced that like skater girl style and it it I love a good baby tea because it does accent- accentuate, like, like you're casual, but you look like a woman still. Yeah. And baby teas are back. They are. With a vengeance. And I love it. Yeah. But but it was just a blip. Like, it was just it was a, blip a blip in time. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't really know what else to say. Like, because it's, it's – I mean, it's such a cool thing that she did. Um, And, like, just the fact that she just – she was like, I'm going to do this thing. Like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, with everything Sofia Coppola did in the 90s, like, she was, like, a music video girl for a hot second. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's right. She did, like, uh, Sonic Youth, Mildred Pierce, that music video, or, like, um, she was in the Black Crows video. Yeah. And then she wasn't. I, like, and honestly, like, we've been talking about this off mic, Brie. Yeah. I love this era of Sofia Coppola. Because she's in her 20s and she's figuring things out. Yeah. And we, we can see her evolution. And Ugh. we know the the almost ending of the story is that she's in her 30s. She becomes this director, mm-hmm. this auteur. Yep. And she finds her calling. Yeah. Which is like what we all hope to do. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I feel like we've gone on some journeys, you know, trying to find ourselves. I think so. I mean, there's so many projects that I've picked up put down but i think i've 
been brave enough to put them down when they didn't work. Yeah. Like, true. can you imagine if Sofia Coppola just kept on with Milk Fed, even though it wasn't her, like, passion? And, like, how fast would, you, would she just burn out and just be, like, Francis Ford Coppola's daughter forever? Yeah. That's a good point. Just rest on her laurels and, you know. Yeah. I don't know. We wouldn't get <laughs> lost in translation, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure. I know. But, well, should we um, talk about her as a director? Or is, are there any final thoughts on Milkfed? Milkfed was awesome. But. <laughs> but. It was a trend. It yeah. came and went. It came and went. Like, yeah. Get over it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Me. Yeah. Get over it, Nikki. I know. We tried so hard. We were, like, really researching, really trying to do that. I was looking at articles in, like, different languages and, like, I'm trying to translate them into Google. And I was like, oh, do they say anything? I keep seeing milk fed, but no. No, no. answers. It's It's just, it's, you know. I think it's cool, though. Yeah. It is cool. And this is a theme with Sofia Coppola. But because of her bomb inner circle, yeah, we get like that like really iconic milk fed photo shoot with oh, um yeah. like Amanda Decadne and Zoe Cassavetes and Sofia Coppola and they're just like rocking teas in a bedroom, just like super chill, but it's like very quintessential nineties. Yeah. So we get that like moment. So that's all that Milkfed is. Yeah. yeah. Just that moment that it's the Wee Tea and the the Boston Translation uh, set, right? Mm-hmm. That's all you need. That's all you need. Remember but. the moment. I know. Just savor it because then Sofia Coppola becomes this director in 1999. You know, she did two other short films. Yeah. I think one of them was called Lick the Star. Oh, yeah. And, um, but then in 99... She reads this book, well, reads The Virgin Suicide. Yeah. And, like, it's already being in production. Like, she gets word it's already in production. Yeah. And she's like, no, I have a vision. So, I don't know whoever was doing the movie, but she kind of just put her feelers out. Yeah. And was like, hey, if this doesn't work out, I have a vision for The Virgin Suicides. Yeah, wasn't it going to be, like, dark and, like, weird? I don't know, not a, not the same vibe at all that yeah. she took it into, so. No, and I, it's slipping my mind, but who gave her the Virgin Suicides book? I want to say it was Thurston Moore. Probably because yeah. Thurston Moore seems like the coolest dude. He seems so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I also loved his little, like, Thurston's Corner in the high octane. I'm all about Thurston. Same. Thurston Thirsty Moore. for Thurston. Thirsty for Thurston. <laughs> I love Kim Gordon, too. Like, everyone in Sonic Youth is just, oh. like, chef's kiss. They're very cool. But, yeah. That's they, so serendipitous, though, that they also, like, I don't know, they went with her vision, you know? Because mm -hmm. then we wouldn't have the virgin suicides the way that it is. And through this, like, lens, this, like, female lens. Yeah. Like, Sofia Coppola, especially with that film. Like, making it so a dream. Like, Sofia Coppola has a way of, like, conveying a lot of emotions without a lot of dialogue. And it's just, like, even, like, just tonally. Yeah. Or the way, like, the cinematography, like, the way things are shot. It's super interesting. I agree. And I, I don't think someone else could have done the Virgin Suicides as, like, dreamy and, like, 
melancholy as she could. I agree. It is very, like, pretty, like, and kind of girly in, like, the best way. I think so. I don't know. I love her style. I love, I'm, like, a visual person, and I just, like, all the movies I've seen so far of hers, which now, I guess, Lost in Translation, Virgin Suicides. Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette. Um, Bling Ring. Bling Ring, which, that one's a, a little different, but eh, still. I, every time I watch the Bling Ring, I like it more and more. Really? Mm-hmm. Maybe I should watch again. <laughs> you need to. It's so good. But the Virgin Suicides kind of starts, too, with the slap and soundtrack. Yes. Which I'm a music person. So, like, Sofia Coppola, when she becomes a director, she kind of gets to marry her fashion. Yeah. That she was into with, you know, like, the movie making that, like, she's grown up with because she's a Coppola. Yeah. And then her love for music. Right. And that's where I, like, like, the Virgin Suicides with, like, the whole, like, the whole soundtrack's air. Mm-hmm. And, like, Playground Love. <laughs> it's a bop. It is. And I, I recently watched Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of bops. So many bops. I mean, the strokes the, are on it. So. Yes. I thought of you. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. No wonder Nikki likes this movie. I don't know if you've noticed, but I only threw in, like, a name drop of Amanda Decadne because she's married to Nick Valenci, who is the guitarist in The Strokes. Yeah. And I'm just like, any moment, I'm just waiting to reference The Strokes. I know. So, yes, Brie. The Marie Antoinette soundtrack features The Strokes. <laughs> I, I love that, though. I love how she um uses, like, music or, like, modern things to kind of, like, get you in the mind of the characters, like in her period pieces, you know? And mm-hmm. I've, I've only really seen Marie Antoinette. I know she has some other... The Beguiled. The Beguiled. I haven't seen that one. I That's the only... That and somewhere I have not seen. Yeah, that's on my to-watch list. But I read that she did that with The Beguiled as well. Like, she does this thing where she makes the characters really relatable. Like, you feel like, you know, you can put yourself in their shoes. Like, in Marie Antoinette, I feel like she does a good job where she, like has Kirsten does like stick her hand out the window and do that little wave thing you know like teenagers do <laughs> yeah. where she like fogs up the the glass on the carriage and like draws a little like smiley face or something or a heart or something and it's like oh that's that's relatable like do you ever notice in her films like she always has a character like the girl's always staring out a car window always just mm-hmm. a window at least as the- yeah <laughs> car windows hotel windows windows yeah rainy it's always rainy yeah like did you brie as a kid ever just like stare outside like the car window and just like daydream all the time i i mean i still do i've found myself in recent years sitting in like michael's parking lots and then the rain starts and i'm like huh that looks really pretty i'm like, contemplating life for like 10 15 minutes I'm like oh guess i should maybe move and do something like maybe go inside and buy what i need to buy or something <laughs> Like, her characters are always staring out windows and pondering life, which is so relatable. Isn't it? We've all been there. (laughs) We have. Listen to some emo music. Yeah. I love, um, too, in her films, just that it is not dialogue heavy. Like, a lot of her films are not dialogue heavy. Mm Mm-hmm. And they rely on, like, sometimes it relies on the viewer to kind of use their imagination which I, I really like that. Like, some things are left for interpretation. Like, things that go unsaid, you kind of fill in the blanks. You know what I mean? I love that. 
Yeah. Everything should not be spelled out for you. That's my belief when it comes to films. It's almost like when you like read a book and then you like kind of imagine the world in a way, except she's doing it like the opposite. If that, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and it's also like maybe it's her lens. Mm-hmm. Like we really are taken. We're just, I think with her films, she makes things like very insular. Yeah. It is just about. Marie Antoinette, the girl, for most of it, until she, you know. Sorry. <laughs> I thought I felt throwing my- the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Just spazzing out. You're like, what? <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just like, um, it's just about that one person or the, the group of girls. It's not, they're always like in their own world and we kind of get to view things through that lens until there is like an unfolding or a greater picture out there that we kind of realize in the end. Something that like snaps you into the, the reality of, of the world. I think so. Like even with the bling ring, because mm-hmm. I think like she does a good job in the bling ring of like setting the tone and like the scene with like all like the Kanye West in the soundtrack. Yes. And just like Emma Watson like grinding and like them stealing things from Paris Hilton's house and then the tone just shifts. Shit gets real. Automatic like <laughs> like just yeah, it, it gets weird yeah. in a good way. It's like oh those things are kind of icky now, like the tone shifts. Yeah, I know what you mean. It does make it really interesting. It's like ooh, like an uncomfortable Kind of, well, like, I'm just thinking about Marie Antoinette because yeah. it's the most recent thing I've seen. Like, there's the scene with the angry mob. It's like everything is great. You're in, for most of the movie, they're in this, like, la la land. Like, you know, they're richer than everyone. They're kind of isolated in their castle. Like, they don't have to deal with not having food on the table. They have all the luxuries. And she's kind of, you know, Marie Antoinette's a little bit like, I don't know if ignorance is exactly the word, but kind of, it's like ignorance is bliss sort of thing, like, out of sight, out of mind. But she's also like, Young. Yeah, young, like 15 when she becomes the queen. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> How hard can you be on someone that's, the, I don't know, they don't know what they're doing. Her and the, or wait, was she 14, actually? Mm. I feel like she was 14 and he was 15. Either way, they're Either like way. the youngest. They should not be ruling. The, so there's a scene, this makes me think, there's a scene in that movie where he goes, oh, like, God help us, we're too young to rule. And I'm like, yeah, they kind of are, but I'm like, they're like 20 or something. I mean, is that, I guess, I don't know. But then when I, like, read up, like, the actual history, I was like, oh, shoot. They're like, yeah, they're way too young. They can't be making decisions. <laughs> Ruling country, I don't know. I, I digress. I was. I, the main point is, the mob comes, everything changes, like, all of a sudden you were feeling like in this dreamy land and then it's like oh reality hits and then it's like ah oh, i don't know it's almost like in her films it's like you got got by reality <laughs> it's like everything is great and the soundtrack slaps and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah the real world's depressing yeah you gotta face the real world is that is that a theme is it is it that is she trying to be. say something it might be i feel like i need to see somewhere before i can really because somewhere it's kind of the opposite, though. Mm. Like, it's a celebrity, and he's just, like, always on press junkets and stuff. Mm. So it, like, shows, like, the mundane attitude of, of fame. Which, that just makes me think of Lost in Translation again with, mm-hmm. like, Bill Murray's character and how he's, like, just, I don't know, like, 
phoning it in phoning it in yeah basically with his like whiskey commercials (laughs) yeah yeah so i i mean maybe there's like two themes going on yeah what do you think they are i think she deals with affluent people and fame Mm. and i think on one hand like with the bill murray like or like in somewhere like steven dorf in somewhere like fame is really like insular and like lonely and like you know they're very disillusioned with it yeah and on the other end it's like you're still disillusioned with it yeah but like because of your affluence you're afforded like an ignorance and like an opulence that is like really fun and cheeky but also you're still empty yeah there's always like some emptiness inside a lot of loneliness yeah so much famous and all that great that's why i like it well do you think that because of her themes yeah of like fame and affluence do you think it's because she comes from film royalty i feel like it probably is it has to be right because i i don't know how it wouldn't affect her you know and i i know she grew up basically being on set a lot and um they said like she was isolated like she didn't play with a lot of neighborhood kids but it was you know being on set was nice it was like your family and stuff but like you're kind of away from the world if you're always on set you know and you are in your own little world a fantasy world of movies yeah which i mean sounds really cool to be honest (laughs) but um i do think so like it's interesting too because i feel like she kind of i don't want to say she exactly rejects fame because i do think she does you know, use nepotism and stuff, which I know we were going to we'll talk, talk about. We'll talk about that in a second. But she plays with fame. She plays with fame. Yeah. Like, she makes you just question, like, is it... She, she? I don't know. She never really paints it in a good light. Do you think it's like, does she not want the fame? Does it have something to do with her being the daughter of a famous director, possibly, and wanting to, like, separate herself from... You know what I mean? Like, she she's like an independent filmmaker. She's doesn't use a lot of big studios because she doesn't have as much creative control and stuff like that i don't know i don't know if it's like like i don't interpret it as she views it as a bad thing yeah but it is a prevalent thing it's a persistent thing in her life it's something that she was born into yeah so you might as well embrace it Mm. i think she it seems like she'd be bored with it Mm. like that's what i get more it's like okay it's you know I mean, she was definitely, like, afforded, like, a lot of opportunities because of her fame. And I think she's self-aware. Yeah. And I think there has to be that self-awareness. And I think she has that, like, throughout, like, her fashion choices or, like, even with Milk Fed to, like, the way she directs a film and her view. It is, like, a – just, like, an indifference or, like, it's not – it's an afterthought afterthought almost it's like there it's like a persistent thing fame but it's like it's something she's interested in but bored by okay that makes sense that that actually makes a lot of sense i think you're right like fame is boring and that would make so much sense if she's been around that and like i don't know that maybe that's her perspective because you know for most of us, we don't have that perspective. I mean, not that I think fame is necessarily, like, a great goal, but 
you know, some might view it as being like really cool, you know, like to have press conferences or all these things and not as like a mundane thing. So that is interesting that she portrays fame that way. Um, I think you're right. I think, yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Maybe it's not like bad, but it's boring to her. She has more things to be concerned with, like being famous isn't everything. (laughs) But it definitely interests her because she wouldn't, yeah, constantly talk about it. But it's also something that's constantly been in her life. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, just as a society to think about things like that, you know, (laughs) like what we place importance on and I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, like, speaking on the Sofia Coppola kind of nepotism thing, I know it's something, like, her whole life, like, is starting, especially with The Godfather Part 3. Yeah. She's dealt with, like, everyone questioning basically her worth. Right. If you really sum it up, because that nepotism argument always comes up. Because it's like, oh, she's acting now? Yeah. It's nepotism. Oh, she's doing fashion, nepotism. Directing, nepotism. nepotism. The only like like plot twist is she's a really good director and she's nothing like Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. No, she definitely has carved out her own um like her own style like in filmmaking. Like it's not like she's not copying it. Like you can tell she's probably learned so much mm-hmm. just being around him, being on set. But like yeah, no, she's, like, her own person with her own, like, her own uh, projects and her own success. And it's, you know, if you weren't, a, like, a really creative person, you, you know, you wouldn't be able to do all that. Like, I think. I agree. If you don't have a vision, you can't direct. Yeah. Um, Which didn't she say, though, that, like, she didn't see herself being a director? <laughs> she was like. I don't know. My dad's a director. I don't think I'm going to be, right? That's why she did, yeah. like, photography and whatever, you know, doing a fashion, like, whatever she ended up just trying before she really became a director, as I guess it was destined. I think so. I think that's one of those things where, like, if you want to get, like, a little woo-woo, I think you can't run from fate. But I think yeah. the beautiful part about Sofia Coppola and what I'm so inspired by yeah. Is because of all the little things along the journey before she became a director. Like I was saying before, are the things that she's most known for. Mm-hmm. Like people always talk about the fashion in her films or right. even the way she paints the picture as far as like the colors, the colors. And, and everything like the palette, the color palette in general. And then like her soundtracks. It's because she was into music, like all these things and all her her friends and her cousins. Like we know Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. Primarily because of Sofia Coppola. And she like brings in like her cousins and her friends and like Phoenix, who, you know, the, the, the front man's her husband now. Yeah. Like she just brings people into the world like a family and like it's like part who you hang around with and like your style. And I think. I know I'm kind of going on a tangent. No, it's it's good. But I think, like, just – I think the nepotism argument's really boring, to be honest. I think it's, like, so much cooler. Like, just accept that she was born into film royalty. Yeah. And proceed, because it can be inspiring. And now everyone's famous. Yeah. Like, True. if people can get famous – like, if Charlie D'Amelio can get famous on TikTok for doing dances, cute girl. Yeah. 
then like Sofia Coppola can be a director and we should not bat an eye. Like, yeah, like stop giving her a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think? Do you think the nepotism thing well, do you think nepotism's good or bad? I think it depends. I mean, I don't think I think it's just because we talked about this off mic as well, like what you do with the opportunities, because you can't choose like the family you're born into. So obviously, yeah, if you're born into a family of creative people and famous directors, you know, like you're bound to like do something of the sort or have more resources available to you than just like. And take those resources. Yeah. So you should take them (laughs) and use them wisely. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's all how you use your resources, but like there is an element of a do it yourself. Like it's not all like you know, as a director, she's, like, calling all the shots. She's, like, creating this vision. She's choosing, you know, she's casting her movie. Like, it's, like, um, I feel like there's a lot of work that goes into that. So, like, you're putting in the work. I think it's nepotism is, like, maybe bad when someone is not putting in the work and they're just getting things handed to them and not, you know what I mean? It's, like, a lazy yeah. thing. But, like, I don't think that's necessarily always the case. At least definitely not in her case. And she uses her forces for good. Like, can you tell the story about Al Pacino and Bill Murray? Like, how she got Bill Murray for Lost in Translation? Oh, my gosh. That cracked me up so hard. So she was trying to hunt down Bill Murray for, like, I think at least, like, a year. And the only way to reach him, he has, like, a voicemail. He won't even pick up his phone. But you have to leave a message. And if he wants to call you back, he will. So she kept leaving messages and, like, bugging him. And I think eventually he called her back. And then they were going to have like a meeting i think the meeting like fell through um but they he still was interested in the project she's like i want you for this movie like i envision you and this was for lost in translation she had pictured him being like she's like i'm not gonna do the movie without him so she kept trying to hunt him down and um she she just had a lot of trouble so she she called al pacino (laughs) and she said hey because he lives in the same town as bill murray apparently and al pacino's like Hey Sophia, how's it going? Blah blah blah. And she's like, oh hey. And she's like, hey, do you uh, do you know Bill Murray? <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's so funny to call Al Pacino, not even to talk to him or anything. It's just to get him. But she knows Al Pacino. Yeah, I know. Just to know Al Pacino would be so cool. I'm so jelly. Can you imagine just being able to call him up? I know. Uh, just like all the people that she could just call up. Yeah. Like an Al Pacino or a Scorsese or an Anna Wintour. True. Ugh. That is badass. Dream. But I guess Bill Murray's really hard to track down. So, but I'm glad she she finally got him. Did. And like Lost in Translation is her best film. Yeah. Her best film to date, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. No. I Just something about it. It's I want to rewatch it a lot. Like I've, I've been feeling... Like, I really want to rewatch it. We need to rewatch it. Yeah. It's something that, like, okay, some people don't like it because it is, like, drawn out. Like, her films kind of play out like music videos sometimes. Yeah. Which I I love because that's kind of how I view things. It's always set to music. Same. But I, like, I think, like, she lets... Like, that's a film where, like, there's a lot of time to breathe. Like, there's, like, quintessential Bill Murray moments. Yeah. And, like, Scarlett Johansson does an excellent job. But, like, visually and just, like, 
just like getting that like f- like lonely in Tokyo that like vibe yeah it's like I don't know it's kind of lightning in a bottle the way that movie just works out and it's all thanks to Al Pacino <laughs> it's all thanks to Al Pacino yeah that's the takeaway uh, but doesn't everything what, just lead back to Al Pacino I think in your life in my does. life it does yeah <laughs> oh I love him <laughs> Are you? Are we gonna do a late to the party on Al Pacino? But you're just gonna tell me all about Al Pacino? <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 add that to the to the schedule. <laughs> nice. Oh, well. But any other any other words about Sofia Coppola as a director? I don't know. I just know. I think she's so cool. Um, and I just love I love how in her movies she does give you like a lot of space to breathe and take it all in like really fully immerse you i feel like so many films are like fast paced or like and hers are really sometimes they feel really slow mm-hmm. but i i don't mind that like at all because visually because it's so a lot of her films are beautiful like to look at and you know like the costumes everything the colors the, the color palette she puts so much care into it all that you feel like you're in a whole nother world, like you're living this character's life for the next like hour and a half or so. Like, you know what I mean? And that juxtaposition too of like a beautiful, like beautiful clothes or a beautiful setting, but being like the most lonely, isolated person ever. I feel like all of her characters are like miserable, but yeah, there's so much pretty around her. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's relatable sometimes. Like when you're lonely, you like you look at that. You are looking out the car window. You are contemplating life. <laughs> you're listening to the strokes, probably. I'm always listening to the strokes. Oh. But no, I, I just, I don't know. I, I love the journey. Yeah. It's really reassuring for me, if I'm going to be honest. I agree. Like, I love that she's tried so many things. And it makes me feel like I can, too, you know? Yeah. Or, like, you're going to find yourself. I think, too, like, um, her father gave her some good advice, right? Mm-hmm. He was, like, I think because she was worried about doing too many things or being, like, a jack-of-all-trades, sort of, and do- being in too many different directions and following too many different creative paths because she was interested in so many things, which is relatable. I feel mm-hmm. like we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Just, like, having so many interests and wanting to pursue them all and, like... It's like, ah, oh, what do you do? And and I think he said, like, you should definitely go for it because eventually you're going to find something that will stick and be right for you. But you got to, like, just try it, which I think is really cool advice. I think so, too. I think, like, props to Francis Ford Coppola for giving that advice. Yeah. Because, you know, I think a lot of creatives – coming from me personally and like what I've heard from you or like other people is like as creative people like a lot of times we are interested in a lot of things yeah and I think like it's it's easy to get like immobilized Mm -hmm. by that yeah it's like where do you start should I do this or like people are so like convinced that you have to have one linear career path yeah like a specialized something something and you have to know it right away Mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is is like you don't know it until you try it put your feelers out and like 
see what sticks. And to be brave enough to pick something up and put it down. And to be brave enough to go into something without, like, knowing how to do it necessarily Mm -hmm. and and not waiting for someone to tell you, like, I don't know. I know that another prop to Francis Ford Coppola, he also gave uh, Sophia some advice about, like, making a movie. She's, like, waiting on the okay from a studio or something. He's like, go ahead and just make that movie. Just make it happen. Like, don't wait. Like, don't wait for someone else's permission. Just do it. Which I think is, like, amazing advice. And I feel like I Mm -hmm. need more of that energy in my life. Just, like, you know, I think we all do just 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 go after what you want. Yeah, just do it. And that's also probably what made Sofia Coppola in the 90s such a cool girl. Mm -hmm. Was because she, and you could say it's because of nepotism or because of her, her wealth or blah, blah, blah. But that's boring and I don't think it's true. Yeah. So we're going to get that out of the way. Okay. I think if you have that argument, you're boring and you're basic. So I think, like, she was so cool in the 90s because it was this air, like, especially doing, like, the deep dive on her. Yeah. Like, she was just wearing what she wanted to wear. She wasn't concerned about the trends. She was like, oh, I like this new trend, this new baby G trend that's going on. Mm -hmm. Let me do that. Let me do this. Like, it's that idea. Yeah. Of, like, just kind of bouncing from thing to thing until you find your your jam. Yeah, I feel like that's not allowed nowadays. <laughs> like, not really. You know what I mean? I think, though, when we see it, mm-hmm. we admire it. For sure. And I, I think, like, people – I don't know. I think people tell you, like, what to be a lot, but they really just, like – but then they see the alternative. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that person has some, like, the je ne sais quoi or whatever. Why? And it's like, oh, yeah, because they're not held down to your, like, linear path that you've, like, made out for them in your head. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. Yeah. The, going down this rabbit hole was really inspiring to me. <laughs> and I love Sofia Coppola, and I love her even more now. Same. Just, like finding out about all the different projects that she was involved in and just how she became a director like because i didn't know i just assumed she was like ah ah, i'll be a director you know i know her father was i didn't really know the whole process but yeah yeah no I, i i don't know i just think she's so cool yeah and it's something – I thought we were just going to talk about, like, a kitschy, like, 90s brand <laughs> yeah. in Sofia Coppola. And then I think we both were like, nah. Like – I know. I feel like I took this a little seriously. I was like, wow. Like, this is, like, inspiration for life. Well, and, like, speaking of Sofia Coppola and, like, her directing and yeah. everything. Okay. So, Oscar season is approaching. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to get nominations in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to point out that, like, it took until 2004 for an f- American female to win or to be nominated for Best Director. She Whoa, didn't win. Just to be nominated? Just to be nominated. And Catherine Bigelow in 2009 mm-hmm. won. Wow. For Hurt Locker. And I think I do remember a woman that. won last year. That's wild that we just saw that. Like, because I, I remember that in 2009. Mm-hmm. I remember like, oh, that's really cool. But now looking back, I'm like, wait a minute. Why didn't that happen sooner? Like, that's way too long for, like, a, the first female director to be 
to win an Oscar, right? We don't let a lot of females <sighs> in, right? Like, if you look up, like, it's, I think it's the Gina Davis Institute mm-hmm. or something involving Gina Davis. But there are, like, literal stats you can look up online mm-hmm. about how few female directors are, are out there. Yeah. And that's a whole discussion for a different time. But I just think it's interesting to note. Is it that are out there or that are, like, allowed to for their work to be, like, seen? I think both. Mm. I think both. But, um, But I just know a lot of people, like, kind of view Sofia Coppola's work. Mm -hmm. Either they take the nepotism route or they view it as, like, for girls. Mm-hmm. And I think underneath that, it's such like a, I don't know. I just think we should all maybe watch some female-directed films. That's all. I on agree. my high horse, on my pedestal <laughs> for one moment. I just like, it's, but it's crazy. And I don't know. I think. Yeah. I mean, we all need, we need like all different perspectives. Like, can't just be one narrow one or just, I don't know. I'm glad that Sofia Coppola like gets to direct now. Yeah. So that just means we have to try things. I know. We have to see what sticks. We do. And just keep going because we're not going to get our like lost in translation if we. I know. We stay stagnant. Been trying to get some B-roll lately though. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I know. I've seen you with your little camcorder, and if you see me with my Canon G7X, just like flopping about. Yeah. <laughs> trying to have some b-roll because i have final cut now guys though i love a good (laughs) b-roll i think that's why i love her so much it's just i don't know i feel like some people don't take the time to really put together some good b-roll no i love it so well i guess this is this is all this is the end of the road it's the end of the road the credits will start (laughs) rolling for this one (laughs) but but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, yeah, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And um, Brie, tell them where they can follow us. Follow us at the late to the party pod on Instagram. And you can email us at the late to the party pod at gmail.com if you have any ideas for new episodes or anything you'd like us to check out. Yeah, so movie club recommendations. Movie club. Yes, we need some for sure. Thank you guys again. All right. Bye. Bye.